thank Rhonda for putting that together. We have seen a, we've sung and we've seen a visual picture of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we get started, I want to just acknowledge, I won't name names, but I just want to acknowledge our visitors here today. So thankful that you have come out on this Christmas morning. Uh, I don't know if uh, our members dragged you here or you came willingly, (laughs) kicking and screaming, but I'm glad that you are here. And we pray it will be a time of of worship for you. Before we start, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Rhonda to pray. Thank you, babe. Yeah. be in Luke 2 if you want to turn in your Bible. You know, as you think about and pray through what, uh, what one would want to preach on uh, this Sunday morning, and you think about all kind of different things, uh, I just kind of landed in Luke 2 because that is uh, maybe the greatest story that's ever been told, and that is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It there's not a greater story out there. So uh, I'm sure you know this story, but uh, I, we're just going to look at it again real quickly. Uh, it is worth looking at again on a Christmas morning, I believe. Last week, just to kind of bring you up to snuff, if you would, last week we talked about a couple of things. And one of the things that we mentioned last week was uh, the virgin birth of Jesus. And, and how important that was and, and how we can never minimize that because it is the one event that got this ball rolling, if you might say. And if you remember, we talked about that. If, if, if there was not a virgin birth, then there's no deity of Jesus. He is not God. And if there's no deity, there is no sinlessness of God. And if there's no sinlessness of God, there is no blood atonement And without a blood atonement, there is no forgiveness. And without forgiveness, there is no hope of heaven. The virgin birth is critical for the Christian to understand. We also talked about the deity of Jesus, God becoming flesh. God coming down from heaven and becoming a man and doing all the things that a man would do. And then we just, we didn't stop there, but we talked about his death, and his resurrection. Because you see, without the cross, without his death, without his resurrection, there would be no need to celebrate Christmas. And as we come to look at the the story today, that's kind of where I wanted to start, just to remind you of the seriousness of the virgin birth. I was reminded of a story this week about a lady that gave birth to a son and she was all excited, and her friends were all excited. And, and she called them over and said, let's, let's have a party to celebrate this birth of, of this, this child that I've got. So she calls her friends over, and, and they come, and uh, 
and they're having having a big time there and and just uh, enjoying themselves and time was going fast and they were having this party and finally one of the guests says well where's the boy let's see him we we have come to celebrate the boy not so much for us but we want to see this little this little booger out here and we want to enjoy his service lady walked back to the back to the room there and she forgot that she had left the child with her mother's as she prepared for uh, the party. And, and one of the guests said, well, we came to celebrate the, the boy. But they were, had been become too busy to celebrate because the boy was no longer there. And I got to thinking about that story, and is that what we do many times at Christmas? We, we know we have come to celebrate the boy. And yet we get so busy in our time and get so busy in our activities and family and all those kind of good things, and yet we forget to celebrate the boy, the boy being the Christ child, the boy being the Savior, the boy being the Messiah of the world. I hope this, this Christmas we don't do that. In the book of Micah, God foretells the coming of Jesus. Micah is in the Old Testament. It is a small book. But Micah 5, 2, I just want to just read this one to you. Because it says this, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born. In the Old Testament, God is prophesying that there's going to be a Savior born. He is telling the world that his Savior will come and he will be born in Bethlehem. God had already figured that out, if you would. And as we look at Luke 2, we see this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. The fulfillment that, that, that Jesus would be born in a small town known as Bethlehem. It's just kind of amazing that hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, God had already ordained that this was the place, this was the time that my son would be born into the world. So let's look at this. We'll be in Luke here. How was God going to do that? How is he going to, hundreds of years before, how is he going to make it happen? Because we all know God has a perfect plan and a perfect timing. How is he going to do that? How is he going to get Jesus there to be born? Well, let's look at verses 1 through 5 real quickly. And just uh, see what what we got there. You know, I absolutely love this story. This is one of my most uh, best stories in the whole Bible. And I, 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 just, I just love this story. In verse 1 it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken in all the earth. This was the first census taken while Crinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with him and was with child. What a great story. 
How was he going to bring the, bring the people together? And you see, God does things that, that maybe we don't understand sometimes. You know, see, God sometimes uses people, uses even ev- evil people. Sometimes he uses even laws and decrees to get his plan accomplished. And we see that he does that in this occasion. How was he going to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem? Well, the evil, wicked king, Caesar Augustus, made a decree. And he said, you're all going to go back to the place where you were born, your hometown, and you're go- we're going to count you, and you're going to pay taxes. Boy, that would have been fun. Pay taxes to the people, to the government, so that King Augustus Caesar will have plenty of money in, it, in his little kitty there. And the Bible says that, that Joseph and Mary had to go. Can you imagine? Joseph and Mary, she is pregnant. She's about to domino. And now she's got to get on some camel, a cat, something. And they've got to travel these miles to get there to Bethlehem. It's just amazing to me that God can use so many different uh, avenues to get his plan accomplished. I'm sure Mary and Joseph had different plans. I'm sure they were wanting to have that baby in Nazareth where they lived, maybe at the home of, of her parents. I don't know. But you see, their plans were changed because God had a bigger plan. God had a divine plan. And God was going to use this divine plan to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. He is just, he's like that, isn't he? And I can tell you today, God does the same thing. So many times that, that God will use uh, events in the world. He'll use even wicked people in the world to get his plan accomplished. We know he's a perfect God with a perfect plan at a perfect time. And that's exactly what, we're, what he was doing here. He was bringing Joseph, he was bringing Mary to the very place that he, that he prophesied hundreds of years before in order to bring the Christ child into being. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't any luck. It was divine providence that brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. In verse 6 and verse 7, we see this. It says, and while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And this is a great verse. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, the birth of Jesus, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. There was no room for them in the end. You see, they had traveled a long way. Mary was pregnant. Mary was ready to domino. And when she got to the place where they could finally stay there in Bethlehem, there wasn't any place for them. There was no room for them to go. There was no hotel room to go. Because you see, nobody cared. You see, nobody cared that she was pregnant. Nobody cared that she had been traveling all these many hours and many miles. People were just worried about themselves. They weren't caring about a Christ child. They weren't worried about this lady that's fixing to give birth. None of that. They were all worried about their own personal comfort, whatever they could get. And they missed the coming of Christ. And I got to thinking about to hear the Messiah being born in a smelly old stable, moving the camels over and and the cattle over to find a spot where she could deliver this this boy. And she delivered this boy and they put him in a manger because there's no place else to put him. And he's born in this humble situation, born into poverty, born into a world that was filled with sin 
and greed and ugliness. And here the Christ child is being born and almost nobody knows it. Most folks miss the first coming. I wonder how many is going to miss the second coming, which is very important. He's born in humble means, and yet there he is. He's coming to the world. I hope you're ready for the second coming of our Lord and our Savior. Verses 8 and 9, it says, And in the same region, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and a glory low shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The shepherds, the shepherds, they were the first to receive the good news that Jesus has been born. They were the first to, to, to be told that something great has, has happened. And I can just imagine those shepherds, they, they went to work that day, just like every other day. They went to work, and now they're protecting the sheep and, and, and doing their thing like nothing has going to happen. They're protecting a sheep that probably somebody else owned. And there they were that night just minding their own business, taking care of the sheep, keeping away the predators, keeping away the coyotes and the wolves. And the Bible says all of a sudden an angel appears to them. An angel appears. I mean, what would you think if the angel appeared to you? And all of a sudden, the, the, the sky around you just lit up with a bright light. I can just imagine what they were thinking. Well, whoa, what's going on here? What, we haven't had too much to drink, have we? And the angel begins to speak, and this bright light begins to shine. I'm sure they, they kind of guarded their eyes, if you would. And they were the first to be told about the Messiah that's been born. You see that the shepherds were the lowest class of the lowest class of people. They were shunned in society. They were ignored by the religious people. They were those folks that they couldn't come to church because they were busy on the Sabbath taking care of the sheep. They weren't going through the religious ceremonies that, that a lot of folks were doing. And, and the religious folks and the other folks just kind of just looked down at them and said, you, you guys are second-class citizens. You are nothing but sinners, the lowest form of sinners. And isn't that appropriate? Because who did Christ come to? He came for sinners. He came for people that needed a Savior. And he told the shepherds, you guys will do this, and you guys will tell, go tell others. And we're telling you first, the lowest of society, we're telling you, about the good news of the Savior that's been born. He could have told the Pharisees. He could have told the king. He could have told the rich and famous. But he didn't. He went to the lowest of the low and said, Here is the Savior of the world. Go and tell. In verse 10, we see this. It says, And the angel said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That, that phrase right there you'll find in the Bible, it's, it's, it's written in the Bible 365 times. Do not be afraid. Do the math. Do not be afraid. Sure, they were afraid. Something big has just happened. They didn't know what. But, you know, that phrase also applies to us today. We, we, we read in Second Timothy that at the end times, difficult times will come. 
The Bible says in, in, in end of time that, that people will become arrogant, will become selfish. They will become people that don't want to hear the gospel. They want their ears tickled. They don't want to hear sound gospel. And as we sit here, the angel is, of God is telling us, don't be afraid when the end times look bleak, when it looks hard. Don't be afraid when, when we come across in our own lives that we have to deal with physical ailments. Don't be afraid when, when cancer comes. Don't be afraid when family issues or financial issues come because, you see, we have no reason to be afraid because, as the angels were telling the shepherds, I, the, Jesus has been born. And because He has been born, you do not need to be afraid. When the world, we look at the world and we find wars and rumors of wars at the end time. When we see earthquakes and famines and we see lawlessness and we see corruption and we see inflation and we see all that kind of garbage that's going on in our world today. The angel of the Lord has a message for us and the message is do not be afraid because the Christ child has been born. I would urge you to just let that sink in for a minute. As, as life sometimes gets very difficult and it gets hard and the Bible forecasts that. And yet we need to remember as his children, do not be afraid. The Christ child has been born. The Christ child is alive today. The Christ child, it sits at the right hand of the father. And because of that, he is in control. He is sovereign. He has a special plan for you and I. And there will be nothing in this world that can stop his plan from going forth. We do not have to be afraid because we serve a risen Savior. You know, we don't have to be afraid because we have what the Bible tells us as eternal security. You see, we have, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we serve him and we trust him and we have faith in him and we, have obedient, and we are obedient to him, we have some great promises, do we not? We have some great promises that he's given to us. John three sixteen, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what, believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What a great promise that should bring, that should run away the times when we believe that we need to be afraid. We have that great promise. John 10 29 says this he says my father who has given them to me jesus says is greater than all and no man will snatch them out of my hand when we want to be afraid about what's going on in our world in the world's world we've got some great promises there from god that if you have been born again that you have a home in heaven that your eternity is secure First Peter tells us it is secured by the power of God and that no man, nowhere, nothing can take that away from us. No one can snatch that out of God's hand. And when we struggle with life sometimes and all that kind of mess, we do not have to be afraid because we have the promises of God that I keep urging all of us to stand on, that we have a home in heaven because Jesus is alive and Jesus is well at the right hand of the Father. Second part of verse 10 says this. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. The long-awaited Messiah has come. 
in Isaiah 7:14 it says this Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold a virgin will be with child and will bear a son and we will call his name Emmanuel God with us Isaiah 9:6 for a child will be born to us and will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful Savior, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know about you, but that's good news. God is with us. Wonderful, Prince of Peace, that's good news. Matthew one twenty one says it this way, For he will save his people from their sins. Now that's really good news. Let me say it again. For he will save his people from their sins. There's no greater news than that, is there? That he has come to this world to save us. And good news needs to be celebrated. You see, good news brings great joy. And the rest of that verse says, this good news brings joy. I don't know if, if, if you have good news, but it always makes me happy to hear good news. And then he says, this good news that the Savior has been born goes for all people. It makes no difference how bad you have been. It makes no difference how good you think you are. It makes no difference how many sins you have committed. The good news, the gospel that, that God loves you, that Jesus died on the cross for you, applies to every person on the face of the earth. That is good news. It's not for the rich and famous. It's not for the ones that rule. It's not for the kings. It's not for the presidents. It's not for the government. It is for all. And just like the shepherds received it as the lowest of low, you and I have received the gospel, have heard the gospel message, and it is for us. The good news says Jesus has come in order to save us, save his people. That, my friend, is good news. In verse 11, we see the names of Jesus for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is a Savior. He is the Savior. He is the one who will deliver us from our sins. He is our Savior. He is our, he is our Christ, or He is the Messiah, the one who has, who has uh, fulfilled the laws and the prophets who fulfilled the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament. That is Jesus. And then we see Jesus is Lord. He is God who has come down in the flesh to come to rescue his people. That, my friends, is good news. That, my friends, is with great joy. And that applies to every person on the face of the earth. You know, we celebrate Christmas because of Jesus and his deliverance from our sin. We know man could not save himself. You can't save yourself. You're not good enough to save yourself. Mankind was trapped from the beginning of time, trapped in the in the idea of sin, trapped with the desire to sin, trapped into the, the hole of sin that it brings us and the bondage that it brings us. It's been like that forever and forever. I remember a story uh, back in 1987. I know I don't look that old, but I can remember back at least that far. Okay, I get it. And it's the story of a little Jessica McClure. And you've probably heard this story before. 
Jessica was eight years old. And she was a toddler and she was doing her thing, whatever eight-year-olds were doing. And she just happens to fall into a well hole. And she fell 22 feet into this well. And after 22 feet, she gets stuck. And there she is. She's stuck in this well. Things look hopeless. What, what are we going to do? And as soon as the news got out that she had fallen into this hole and she was helpless, people sprung into action. They didn't say, Jessica, get busy and try to get out of here. They didn't give her motivational types of speech. They didn't say, Jessica, live, a, live your best life now, buddy. They didn't say that. They didn't say, Jessica, why would you do that? Jessica, that was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. They didn't say that, did they? But what they did was when they found out there was a need that she could not solve herself, the men sprang into action. They began to dig, and they began to dig, and they made another, another tunnel down to her. And 58 hours later, they brought little Jessica up because there was a man that decided he would go down to get her. And she's alive and well today because of the efforts to go down that tunnel to get her to free her. And that, my friend, is a picture of what God has done with his son, Jesus. When, when God looked down on this old world, he didn't, he didn't say, well, you guys figure it out yourself. He didn't come on here and give us some motivational speech. He didn't say, well, just live your best life now, and, and hopefully later on you'll be able to get to heaven. He didn't, he, he didn't yell at us because he said, you deserve what you get. You deserve falling in that hole of sin. And because you deserve that, I'm just going to let you rot. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't do that. He, he came down to this sin-sick world. And he came and he, and he sent his son, Jesus, down here to live and to die and to be raised again in order to save his people from their sins. He came down to get us so that we could go up when we're done with this old world. Aren't you glad God did that? I don't know about you, but I am. I am glad that he came down, sprung into action, if you would, to come down to send his son to save us all. We celebrate Jesus at Christmas. And because of that and because he's alive and well, we have nothing to fear in this old world. Because we have a home in heaven if we've ever accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. The birth of Jesus is nothing but good news that brings great joy to all people. I was just thinking, I, I remember back when I was saved at the age of 12. What great joy I had because I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's good news. We celebrate Jesus because he is our Savior, because he is our Messiah, and because he is Lord, and he is our deliverer from our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to dwell among us, to be Emmanuel. Thank you, Father, that that. that Every person in this room has heard the gospel. 
Thank you, Father, that your gospel is not limited to just the special folks. But it is for all of us to come and to accept. Today we celebrate you, Jesus, on your special day. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Rhonda? You can see why I like that story. <laughs> that I just love that story. I hope that this Christmas season you have remembered the Christ child. You've remembered to celebrate him. Because if you don't have Christ in your life, what's Christmas? What's Christmas if you don't have Christ? Because he is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. And I would just urge you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, what a great time to do it on his birthday. To accept him as Lord and Savior. To make him king of your life. Make him the prince of of peace in your life. So that you can, for the remaining days of your life, celebrate Christmas in a whole different way. Because he's Lord and Savior. I think he's calling you today. I think he wants you to to come today. He's not going to yell at you. (laughs) He's not going to criticize you. He's going to wrap his arms around you and say, Welcome home, my son or my daughter. As the piano plays, let's close our eyes. and, And however God has spoken to you today, I would urge you to do it celebrate take time to just thank him for his son jesus as the piano plays i just you do business with your god